Welcome to Angel Wings Quantum Transformation Program uh, Principles of Quantum Transformation. Today we are going to highlight um, the principle of attention and in connection to that concentration. Uh, so I'm going to ask Dr. Chetna Krupalu to expound upon this. Uh, the principle of attention is very much related to quantum transformation. If one is in a state of true attention and harnessing thought and emotion and the energies within and if one is able to stay in the present, these are some of the basic ideas, uh, where an attentive state, an aware state is transformative. So when we are saying transformation, the mind fundamentally needs to be transformed from an old state to a new state. This is true with particularly with people who've had addictions, mental health problems, even many physical health problems that are, you know, that, are, that have a lot of chronicity. There are chronic harmful cycles. So with regards to attention, as a principle of transformation, could you elaborate on this principle, especially with regards to individuals who are stuck in harmful cycles? We, we see many, many examples of that and the clinical field is obviously filled with that. Although Angel Wing is not a clinical program, it can certainly be of assist to individuals who are attending presentations, workshops, who are stuck in different cycles. So what is the transformative aspect of attention, for, especially for people who are caught in destructive cycles, physical health-wise, psychologically, or even like family problems, even problems with couples, it doesn't matter what the specific would be, there is a destructive cycle going on and addiction would be a, certainly a prime example. What would you say about this? I think the first um, concept of the f to learn, I mean to teach or to expose people who have this um, addiction issues, it could be any problems, what they've been through is really t originally to go and see where the problem started so the re what I mean by that is it usually starts from a childhood and what that means is when you're a child what you perceive around your environment counts it, it, it's just amazingly important and what I mean by that is let's say a five-year-old is told for whatever the person I mean sorry the child does wrong and it could be the most trivial thing but because of the parent or the guardian or whoever is taking care of them they are not patient enough because of their mental state and their anxiety depression and whatnot psychological state essentially they keep telling this child that that child is no good the child is doesn't know you know uh, anything the child cannot do anything perfect so that becomes an identity for this five-year-old. So the child starts identifying with insecurities, just even believing for a fact that that person is not good. So, yes. so there is a belief that is held. This is a childhood experience you're talking about. So that's one way some of these things kind of built up within the system. The personality builds up that way. In, in other situations, someone may have just been through a very traumatic, like a car accident or something like that, or some traumatic event. 
that has created maybe a lot of PTSD reaction. Or some people are in recovery from one of the drug and alcohol addictions or some other kind of uh, like internet addiction or gambling addiction or something like that. In all of these scenarios, there is a loop present that is going on psychologically, right? Is it not so? There's a loop. The specifics are different. Uh, I mean, I myself have been through this on multiple occasions, as you know. So the loop is using energy. The loop is a conditioned loop. And an individual is going through that loop to try to get to a certain experience that in, in a very strange way, they're trying to get out of the loop. Like someone with an addiction problem, as an example, they don't want to be in that problem. They don't want the negative stuff that comes with it. But they are also chasing the experience that the drug gave. So there's a conflict right there because you can't have bo- you cannot have one without the other. If there's going to be a high, there's going to be a low. You know, so it's like with obesity, it's like that. Too much food and metabolism problems or other other kinds of issues. If there's not the proper change in diet and some movement and exercise, that problem is not going to be resolved. You know, so the the sense of being stuck is the biggest issue. So in the quantum transformation model that you have developed, uh, we are examining today the principle of attention as related to concentration and its role in transformation. You know, so we're going to transform, not simply change, but transform from one state into another that is such that one doesn't revert back to those old state old states. So could you elaborate on that transformative process with respect to attention and concentration and not simply change? Because most people go through small changes or even big changes, but they revert back again. <laughs> you know, so that's what we're talking about here, and if you can elaborate on that. So the basic thing is for them to realize, like we were saying, that when you become aware of your thoughts and where they're going and everything, is to learn that whatever your identity is so far is false. The That has to be um, reflective in the dialogues and whatever we have as a group discussion. Because again, like I said, they have developed certain identity, whether it's from a kid or from a traumatic experience um, or anything like that. And that's a false identity. So when you recognize that this is whatever I have acquired because of my experiences, and that's not the real reality by meditation, which is a huge part which plays in helping, uh, you know, make this happen. So when you go into this meditative state, you're really separating or emptying your mind or not being being attached to your thoughts which have made you feel a certain way or created this identity in you. Then you realize there is a, a um, being which is much different from you had ever imagined yourself to be. So, of course, you have to be intent on practicing this more and more and attention is a big part of it which brings you to that phase where you keep dissociating yourself from the thoughts again and again and again when then you know that once you know the real identity of yourself and don't feed into the thoughts which have made you feel a certain way and created this false identity in the past that is what I think is the key to transformation because then you have a space or a um, a, um, a um, situation or a circumstance or um, where you can actually say, 
I can transform because I, whatever I believed I was all these years is no longer true. It is not the truth because I was believing it in so strongly. And because of that belief, because of that belief that you were that person, you wanted to get away from that person. And you wanted to submerge yourself or immerse yourself in that addiction, whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol or anything like that. So if you get to the root cause of that specific um, reason one gets into this drug addiction, because what does it do? It takes them away. It separates from them from that identity they held and gets them into an altered state where they feel good where they don't identify with that person anymore, our personality anymore. So I think that is the key where, and they're looking for it. They're constantly making it last. They want more and more of that altered state where they're feeling good. Now, if this can happen in meditation, where they can get into that, you know, in, uh, I, you know this state of identity and stay with it, because obviously it's not harmful. Meditation will help you be in that state and stay high as they call it in a in a good way where it's not you know affecting your health physically energetically however you want to say it so that is what it enables you to do which is the real transformation and by practice again and again and again you can stay in it and you no longer need that drug or the habit to keep you in that state of or the false state which you were in with the addiction and now you're in a true state of your real identity of who you are. And that is all free, freeing. And so that's the real transformation. Because with other things, everybody knows they're not supposed to do drugs. Everybody knows they're not supposed to drink alcohol. But why are they doing it? What are they, what are they escaping from? What are they running away from? I think that's the key. And I think they know that also, but they don't know how. And this is why these, these tools on a regular basis if one applies again and again and again with forums created, with um, you know groups where they can attend, not to talk again and again about their um, addictions, but to t you talk about ways of acquiring their um, true identity and getting to that state of who actually they are. Because really, we are all pure souls. Think about when we are born, when we come as babies. We are all the same. We're pure souls and we're pure beings. What happened in the interim is all the experiences which came in your life and nobody told us that these become your identity after a while. So that became your identity or personality and you started believing that false layers you created as the true identity and that's why now you can't find yourself. And so now it's so confusing, sometimes it's so traumatizing that you you know you want to escape from it and that's what the addictions are all about so yes yeah, so that's a great way to understand the change in identity it's like a person who was never let's say an alcoholic or a drug addict or like a problem gambler or some other kind of you know even shopping addict, yeah, addiction yeah. all that when a person is in active in the active phase of an addiction they're in a di different mindset their whole personality and everything is like focused around that only you know so now, can you draw a parallel on the physical health side? As a medical doctor, you've seen so many patients, all ages, all ranges, and so many things you've seen. How does that same identity shift occur?
for people with physical health problems like diabetes or like high blood pressure or like obesity. People identify with the disease. I've heard you talk about this before also. Uh, is there a similar shift in identity that occurs when there's a disease process? Uh, because I've heard things like, you know, you are not the disease. You, you, are, you may have the disease, but you're not, you should not identify with the disease. And because the more you identify with it, the more you get caught up in that, which is kind of what happens on the addiction side. But the experience is obviously very different. It's not like a zone of high and euphoria. I mean, I, I don't know that people have any great euphoria in having high blood pressure or diabetes or anything. So there are obviously differences, but there are these loops. There's the sense of an identification process is there, which then leads to an identity change. So we maybe draw that on the parallel on the physical health side. And then, of course, all of the non-addicted mental health problems, non-addictive like disorders, things like ADHD, things like depression. If somebody's depressed is not getting a high or something, something like that, they're just very down. They, they don't have much energy. How, how does that, how does the identity shift work there also? So there's a three different scenarios, physical health, mental health, and then it's really is kind of part of mental health is addiction. This has kind of its own category. So. Yeah, definitely. This is all about identity in, 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 in general. So this is why this whole thing is so important about self-mastery is you get away from a lot of this false identity formed yourself. Yes, you do not want... This is created by us as human beings. If you talk about physical illnesses, doesn't mean they don't have it. They do have it and that's caused by many factors. It's mental is one thing. Then, of course, your habits, the way you eat, the way you process stuff in your mind, how much stress you have, how much fun one has, meaning like are they energized on a regular basis? Or uh, are they exercising enough? How much toxins are they exposed to? Are they sleeping enough? Are they getting outside, you know, doing the good stuff? Are they interacting? Are they involved in other people's lives? So many factors like that. But what is important here is to, once they get the disease, we tell them they're diabetic. I hate the word diabetic. I said diabetes is okay, but why are you calling people diabetics? That means they do... I, I, you know, um, they tell them to um, associate or identify themselves as diabetics or hypertensives or, you know, we don't talk about cholesterol, but these are the commonest things or, uh, you know, things like that. And so the person starts believing that I have uh, this problem, so I am this problem. And that's a big problem because it's hard to get away from it. Yeah. And there is immense amount of research to tell you about your mind-body connection. It's neuroscience. The more you have thoughts about sugar, I have a problem, my, my, my body behaves a certain way because of this, my kidneys are going to get affected, end organ damage, my brain's getting affected, my heart's getting affected, you're going to make this happen. And eventually your life is not, not of a balanced one you're always thinking about diseases. So that's a, that again is a false identity. Yes. Now coming to mental stuff like this ADHD, again, what is ADHD? ADHD is really, again, a made-up disease, meaning I don't mean that it's not there, but you really have to examine what is ADHD, attention deficit disorder. You know, when you're five years old, you're acting out, you're hyperactive, you're acting out. What is acting out? Acting out means originally let's go back to the you know i'm just giving an example just to see just to examine this if you go back to the original days when they had no language and then it was spoke you had to act out what you really felt inside and as a five-year-old 
we are not taught about how to examine our feelings and voice out our feelings. You have no idea. But you feel certain restlessness inside. You feel like not okay inside because of things happening around you. Whether it's at home, whether it's um, you know in school or wherever it is. And so we misinterpret that as a kid having a behavioral problem. And it's not true. If you really go into it and examine it and come up with a solution about why did the child, what is the child telling, trying to tell us? And why is that person or the child feeling that way? And if you examine it, there, there, there goes the, you know, attending to the root of the problem and it's over. And you teach the child every time to, you know, come and talk to you about the feeling they have. And so you can address it. But when it gets worse, you're not taught to do that and you solve it by sending them to a therapist and putting them on a medication. You're just dulling the physical aspect of the hyperactivity. They could become, you know, zombies for all that matter, meaning like, you know, dull in because of the fact. And it's not a behavioral problem. It can lead to a behavioral problem. But even those things, you know, are not uh, addressed enough. Because you're not going to the true identity of the child and you're not teaching them that. So that's why these problems exist. What is depression? Because you're not telling them there is other things you can do, you know, how thoughts affect your brain, how thoughts affect your life. Are there certain things you can actually do to elevate yourself? It's not about neurotransmitters. It is about neurotransmitters. I'm not saying chemicals don't go down, like serotonin and everything. But what's causing that to go down? It's your thought process, all these things which are built up in childhood. So this needs to happen in childhood, you know, in school or in at home to teach children to go inwards and, you know, create all these um, tools to examine themselves and get an, you know, mastery over yourself so you can navigate your world so beautifully as you grow up. So I think... That's the mental part of it. You can have umpteen number of diseases to that. And then the addictions is connected to the mental problem because you're trying to escape from your false identity. So they're all connected always. This is never alone because you're one being. It's a whole holistic way of looking at the root cause of this problem. And this is why this whole thing uh, is necessary for us to go into this attention, awareness. It starts from there when you can learn so much about yourself. Everything about yourself. Nobody needs to tell you one way or the other. Because they can't. They are in their own mind. They will never know you the way, the way you can know yourself. Yes. Uh, the direct personal state of observation of what, is one, of what one is experiencing. So three scenarios. Scenario one, someone is in depression. So they say that I'm feeling depressed. And then they, maybe they meet certain criteria. But they're feeling. They're, it's their experience. Scenario one. Scenario two, you've got someone who is struggling, let's say, with diabetes. All right, let's just say type one or type two. They're they're struggling with it. Scenario, there are definitely signs and symptoms and problems. Scenario two, it's an experience, experiential. Scenario three, someone is struggling with a heroin addiction. Let's just take that as an example. So you've got three scenarios there. All are experiential. According to the transformation idea each one of them is holding a certain identity as what you're saying that identity if I hear you correctly what you're saying is that's not who you are but you feel that that's who, that's who you are because of, this, of, of the experience of being in that state 
there is a lot of emotion in these states. There is a lot of energy change. There is also the concentration of energy within those states. Is it not so? What do you say about this? Oh, absolutely. You're so focused and so um, in a whirl of energy uh, in that identity. Yes. And if you want to call it concentration, that's what it is. It's a harmful form of exactly. So you that you know whirlwind or whatever you call it, like you know, you can call it as the vortex, is so strong that it's hard for you to get out of that mode of the self identity you've created, Which is false identity. Exactly. So to recognize this is the first thing, and to repeatedly recognize that you can come out of it and make a change is the next step. You cannot do it just telling people to be more attentive. It doesn't work because it is so concentrated that energy about that identity. It's hard to get away from it. So that's where you need medications. You need all this first thing about bodily discomforts, meaning to get away from it. And then, you know, have them. That's why meditation is useful because it helps you understand the disconnect which you can have from the mind okay. from you. Exactly. Because remember what meditation does. It gets you to a state of calm. And where does that calm come from? Because it's the disconnect with your mind which is causing all this identity problem. And so repeatedly as you do more and more and to recognize it and practice that self-awareness on a regular basis will give you the key to going to deeper into self-identity. And the more you learn about yourself... You get to the point of self-mastery and then there you have control over your life. Which is indicative of constructing a new identity, perhaps. Or perhaps reverting back to an older identity that was the real, like a good functional identity. Because the word identity is very big. There's a lot of, obviously, very, it's a deep subject. It's a sense of me, the sense of who I am, my self-esteem, how I see myself, my experiences, you know, this is very much personal, very direct, very much, in, very much in one's purview of experience. So, based on the the QTP idea, quantum transformation, when we when you use the word quantum, this is your idea, you know, the, this is your pro program. Why the word quantum in this? You know, why not uh, just a sequential kind of series of steps that is long drawn out, which is what tends to be in most ways of thinking about change, these kinds of changes. Why the word quantum? How does this word quantum apply to what we're examining about attention and concentration and identity? And How, how would you explain this? Yeah, quantum is huge. You know, there's no measure to it. So for a person who has an addiction, if they have to transform to a state of a new identity or the true identity, it's a huge transformation. So it is not like a little change which they are going through. Like for example, um, you know, you were, you thought you were somebody and then, you know, you were in a dream or you just came out of it and you changed yourself. In the, you had a nightmare, for example, at nighttime. You realize in the morning that it was just a nightmare and you get on with it. That's like, okay, that's like a small change. Or you developed or uh, got rid of, for example, you're drinking too much ca you know, coffee. And you say, oh, I'm going to drink two cups of coffee from tomorrow. And you use your willpower and you can get there in a month. And that's a change. That is not a true transformation. The true transformation is 
really going deeper and taking off layers and layers of false identifications you've had and go into the core of your true identity, which is when you can realize that I don't need this addiction anymore. And this is on both levels. This is physical level. So you have to go beyond your mind and your body to know the deeper part of you which exists. And that's where you start, you know, assuming a new life, in fact. And that's why it's called concentration. Which sounds like, to me at least, as, as I hear you, that an, an, an individual who approaches such a state through the various principles and ideas that you have been developing and are developing further, that a person kind of silently looks at themselves from every possible angle, gets a 360 degree vision, which is what we don't have generally. We have just a very 10 degree vision or 20 degree, and that's also very concentrated and focused and and twisted and whatnot. So an unbiased 360 degree vision would be a state of true attention to one's past, what, what one is going through. It's, it's in a more technical way of saying it, seeing the structure of thought. That's a more technical, we'll get into that some other time. Um, so that, that, that state of living and being and breathing and thinking and interacting throughout the day, day in and day out. If I understand you right, would you say that that is transformative in a quantum way? Not simply this uh, small changes here and there, back and forth, back and forth, but this kind of a 360 degree vision with a great power that is present in seeing the various twists and turns and experiences as they are without getting into a biased or without even reopening that experience. That's the other question I do have for you. How does one remember something from the past without getting trapped in the past, without reopening that? If someone has a drug addiction problem, they start talking about a drug addiction problem and their experiences, what are called war stories in, in these AA groups and GA groups and NA groups, you know, they start telling the war stories, they, they go back into it again. So what does quantum transformation say about being able to remember these incidences that are quite potent, but at the same time not reopen them and actually transform out of them? But that's a bigger question, but I don't know how far you want to go into that today. But so. Yeah, maybe not in this dialogue because there's too many aspects of it. But yeah, this true transformation, quantum transformation is to be able to recollect these memories into um, just memories without a charge as I would call it or without emotions which make you heavy so that's a whole different dialogue you know we will continue that but that is why it's called quantum transformation so to realize and that's the that is the purpose of life if you really look at it, it's not to attain a big goal and, you know, success in this and that, but really look at how you can live your life the best uh, quality without a heaviness, without um, like a burden or without a uh, density. And you can go on with the sense of really real freedom where we talk about. Um, and we're not talking about the freedom which loosely everybody talks about. We're talking about the real freedom from, you know, from your mind and your body and knowing your true identity and true self. And that's where we'll stop. Thank you very much, Dr. Chetna Gripal. This is the Quantum Transformation Program recordings. Um, again, please do visit us on the web at www.theangelwing.com. 
and uh, please send your questions or comments to um, theangelwing19 at gmail.com. All right, thank you very much. Thank <music> you.